the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, here we are, Backbone Radio. We're live action here on this December 18th, 2022. Sunday, 4 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Hope you can stick with us all the way through. Last week, managed to have the entire family get the flu. Boy, that was really a good time, may I say. So uh, I, I took last Sunday out of pocket. That's quite a flu, if I uh, may May reveal, my gosh. Um, anyway, so I heard there was a little bit of uh, some tech issues on the best of broadcast, so a lot of feedback from listeners on that. So thanks for letting me know, and they, uh, they've got that figured out. And I still don't know exactly what that was, but here we are in action. Yes, got up early this morning to watch the World Cup. Yep, bit of a soccer fan. I might offer a few reflections on that messy Argentina walk away with the World Cup. And I spent a little time in Argentina on a dental medical mission down there. And I have some insights into the soccer psychology, soccer culture of Argentina, which which I think are just very heartwarming to share as the as yes, the Argentinians come home with it. First World Cup for Messi. Very very exciting. And I hope you've been following the Twitter files releases. Mainstream media not covering it all, but Elon Musk releasing quite a bit of illuminating information about the gulag we have been living in as conservatives. Boy, I'll tell you, you try to put America first, and then the government tries to censor you, shut you down, and even use Twitter as a surveillance tool to get your real-time geolocation. Hmm. Been having an awful lot of thoughts about the deep state, something that I'm probably the first radio host to start dwelling on deep state matters going back, I don't know, six, eight, ten years? When did I first start using that term? I started talking about the deep state some years back, and people were like, what, is, what do you mean deep state? What, what is that? What on earth is that? And I would kind of define it and try to explain it. But now it's a word that's on everybody's tongue, on everybody's mind. Our minds are alive and aware. Light bulbs have gone off. We're seeing what this word means. You're seeing Elon Musk use the phrase, and everybody else out there in the commentariat And the mission, I think, we have politically, the mission of the Republican Party politically, needs to be dismantling the deep state, to break us out of the gulag that we have been living in. And many of us are not aware that we're living in a gulag, but I've been trying trying to explain it all, that you are in prison, whether you know it or not. And the Republican Party needs to be essentially waging war on the unelected, unaccountable three-letter agencies in the Beltway. And we see that now more than ever. 
after the release of those Twitter files. My gosh. My gosh, so amazing that, yeah, Twitter has become a tool, had become a tool for the surveillance state, ladies and gentlemen. And you start realizing about where where we are civilizationally, and this might be a monologue for later on in the program, there has been a great consolidation of power based on technology, all right, where the capacity for a surveillance state has never been greater than now with the recent developments and everything online and everything can be recorded, everything can be caught on camera, caught on video. And if you have access to all of that information, if you can get into anyone and everyone's devices, and if you can get video on anybody and everyone, and it just so happens that there's the handful of billionaires, remember the monologue about the importance of being a billionaire? Oh, the amount of power that can slip into the hands of so few has never been greater And the risk is complete and total tyranny, not just in America, but the world over, which is part of why Elon Musk is trying to get some transparency and trying to release some of these Twitter files because he says, you know what, if we don't have free speech in America, the only thing that we can look forward to in the future is tyranny, is the boot in your face, is the Orwellian 1984 on steroids even So let's be covering that. Let's be going through that. I was really struck by Tucker Carlson's segment about the potential CIA involvement in the JFK assassination. And I thought we might dwell on that a little bit. Maybe that'll be an hour two set that we will look at. But Tucker Carlson seems to come to the conclusion that, oh, the CIA was involved. The CIA had its hands, had his fingerprints on the JFK assassination. And I've actually done segments on that very same thing. And I got to tell you, I mean, I've said that stuff that Tucker said over the years around here. And then Tucker comes out and says, we just, I just have a similar mindset to that guy. And so I can review some of that, that Tucker talked to a source. I don't think he revealed the name, but it's a mainstream source. And he vouches for this source who says, oh, the CIA was involved in the JFK assassination. And this country is not what we have thought it was for an awful long time, going back to 1963 at the minimum. And that really needs to get us thinking about, yes, these three-letter agencies of states within states. Another perennial theme around here that I've averted that the Department of Homeland Security is not for the whole homeland. It's only for the Beltway. It's only for the ruling class. The homeland is the ruling class's homeland. It is not the rest of this country. We have states within a state in the United States of America right now. And if that is allowed to continue, that we are only headed down the wrong road, down, yes, the 1984 road to serfdom, bring Hayek in there as well. Yeah. Illuminating to see, by the way, is Elon Musk pushes for free speech that the mainstream media, they, they're coming out against free speech. They want to control your thoughts. They want to control your minds. They want to control the discourse. They don't want anything out there 
that uh, they don't approve of or they don't sign off on. And so, yeah, free speech is has become a racket in America. And that is the main thing to get back. Free speech would be the antidote to so much of the corruption of the ruling class and the three-letter agencies. Free speech is indeed the sworn enemy of our corrupt ruling class. <laughs> we have got to get it. We have got to have it. And we have to overcome the media to get there, apparently. Yeah? Because speech is power, narrative is power, and you just watch these people squeal and squeak when, uh, you know, the people that are the guardians of the gulag, when they start losing their control and their power over narrative control, watch them freak out. And unfortunately, the Republican Party, most of it, has become essentially collaborators in all this, complicit in all this. Rhinos are haters of the Republican base, and as Lee Smith argues, they've made some kind of a deal, apparently with the ruling class or with the deep state, to essentially sell out their own voters, and they changed the way we vote during COVID and all of that. And that is something that has to be kept in mind and why I would say the Republican Party voter is going to be so heavily propagandized heading into the 2024 presidential election. And the propaganda will be from the ruling class, from the deep state against Donald Trump. Of course, they're going to be promoting Ron DeSantis. And the big thing is, if you are aware we're living in a gulag, and if you are aware of the power of the unelected, unaccountable three-letter agencies... Do you really think DeSantis is going to be the guy to overcome that? Do you think so at this key pivotal moment in time? And I, I tell you what, the only, the only light I am seeing is for Donald Trump to carry on, be the nominee, and wage that campaign, that war on the deep state, on the agencies, and a war in favor of free speech to help save this beleaguered republic. It's Matt Dunn, Backbone Radio. Be right back. Blake says he can't guess who sings this tune. This Christmas tune bringing us back to Backbone Radio. And I don't know if I should give it away or not, but it is the Smithereens. You know the Smithereens. You've heard of them, right? Pat Denuzio, who passed away some years ago. Great band. Love them. Late 80s, 90s. And that version is better than the Elvis version. I believe Elvis does that song, and nobody does a song better than Elvis, except this is one rare example of Santa Bring My Baby Back to Me, better done by the Smithereens. And the only other one I can think of is um, Suspicious Minds, (laughs) one of my favorites to play around here. It's a great Elvis tune, but guess what? Dwight Yoakam, of course, does it better. But if Weezer did it, Weezer would do it still better than all of them. Well, not Dwight. Nobody does it better than Dwight. By the way, the phone number, 303-696-1971. Would love to have your thoughts, just holiday thoughts or geopolitical thoughts or local political thoughts. We don't really have a tight structure. We do that in the holiday season. We're just going to kind of joke around and play around. And yes, I've got some heavy heavy matters, you know, to be to be bringing in about, you know, the three-letter agencies. And by the way, I've been enjoying reading 
some of these books by Mark Greeny. I mentioned this a few weeks ago called The Gray Man Series. Any of you all who might like thriller books, action books, and I never thought I would kind of get into this genre until I started reading Jack Carr's books. I uh, I began reading Jack Carr's books, uh, I guess maybe two years ago now, and I was blown away by the quality of the writing, that former Navy SEAL. I've even interviewed him about four times on Backbone Radio. And then I started reading some of the Vince Flynn books. I always remember Rush Limbaugh speaking so glowingly of Vince Flynn. But I've always had it in my head, you know, I need to be reading the great literature, you know, stuff that has to be at least 100 years old or more, and it's got to be real heavy and deep and ponderous. But, man, some of these thriller books are so well written, and they do get to some truths about what is going on geopolitically in the world and what is going on with the, uh, shall we say, deep state, one of my yes-favorite phrases. But apparently there's 11 Gray Man books out there, and I'm on the 9th. Not bad. And the 12th will be coming out in February. So my plan is to try to be finished with the first 11 by the time the 12th Gray Man book comes out. Mark Greeny. Maybe I'll call him up and try to interview him on the radio show when that new book comes out. But he has been one of the people that has worked with... um. Oh, the Hunt for Red October guy, uh, Tom Clancy. Apparently, Tom Clancy's last book that he wrote, he ended up co-writing it with Mark Greeny. And Mark Greeny's probably written five or six or seven carrying on the Tom Clancy franchise. And then he's done his own stuff. Uh, Gray Man is like his most prominent set of works, which uh, some folks who listen around here might find interesting. It tends to be a little bit more of a male genre. I don't think uh, as many women get into that, uh, you know, the thriller genre, the spy thriller stuff. But um, just putting that out there, somehow that just popped into my head. And again, 303-696-1971. And let's get right to some phone line hellos here. And by the way, I've really been enjoying some people are writing text to the studio saying they're in withdrawals because I was not here last week. <laughs> and... Uh, I really appreciate that. Oh, it is such an honor to be here and share share thoughts with you and text messages and calls and just the good vibes and the good cheer and it's holidays and tough times for the country in so many ways, but let's have that holiday spirit no matter what. And uh, do we got Rick on the line? Rick, are you here, sir, in Aurora? Yes, I am. All here right. Is. You're in town, I see, not off on some marathon yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Okay. That little rest up. Uh, Merry Christmas, Matt. Thank you, sir. And, yeah, we were worried that you got yanked off the year. My wife and I were going, oh, geez, here we go. Well, no, but was, you know, just the, the, the family wiped out with the flu. But then, you know, we were going to do the, uh, the the best of or replay a, another right. show that we, we select some show that is particularly poignant. But somehow something came in with static. And so we, I still don't know what was going on there. Right. So, But, but no worries yeah. on that front. Yeah. All is well that ends well. Anyhow. Yeah, the uh, the Kennedy, the deep state, what, what the issues you've been addressing, you've been so right on. There is, is there any doubt? Is there any doubt? I sometimes, and I have read articles, etc. Think about this: Reagan was in office one one month. Bush is his vice president. Hinckley, you tell me that it's starting to look a little more suspicious. Oh, I hadn't even made that connection, Rick. 
But as you were saying that, I felt something internally sort of click. Hmm. Yeah, when you, when you say, go, you know, they didn't want Reagan. He's, you know, one month. I, that, that's why I'm saying they're opening up this, this whole bag of worms. I think uh, hmm. it, it's very, very, uh, hmm. you know, I hate to use the word frightening, but boy, I, I don't know what to say. And I, Do you ever wonder, Rick, if this is just not the country we have thought it has been? For longer than we might care to realize. Yes, they fooled us for longer than than what's coming out. Yes, a state within a state, unelected, Absolutely. unaccountable, totalitarian power with an unlimited budget. You know, well, the only thing that Schumer ever said in his life that made sense was, "Hey, man, watch it. They can take you down six ways from Sunday." Yes, he sure did say that, didn't he? And that's been one of my favorite clips to play over the years. That was in uh, January of 17, right. I believe. Never forget it. Right as Trump was taking office. And Schumer said, oh, Trump's not treating the intelligence community very nicely. And that's really not smart because they have six ways from mm-hmm. Sunday for getting back at you. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Did you see the Tucker CIA JFK yeah. thing? Okay, I've got that clipped up and I might look into that in the second hour. But you'll remember that JFK really, really hated the CIA. And Mm -hmm. he and, I believe, Alan Dulles was the director of the CIA. And they hated each other. It was a hateful relationship. And you remember the JFK quote about the CIA needs to be cracked up and split into a thousand splinters. Or I don't have the quote sitting right here. I I know. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm. It does make you wonder. And, of course, Trump shows up and he, yeah. He it, wants to put America first, wants to put the American people first, not the deep state first, not the agencies first. And what did they do? They lied and they cheated and they slandered him for four years. They're still yep. doing it. They're still throwing special counsels at yeah. him. You know, Matt, this is years ago, and it was either the FBI director or CIA director. And this is absolute. I mean, I remember this, where they were interviewing him. I think it was in the 70s. You know, talk about presidential politics. And he says... We don't really care who's president. We're in charge. <laughs> and I don't and mean I, to laugh, but I, I I think that's true. I think it is too. They don't really care. They're they're there. No one no one can pry them loose. Yep. And people in the FBI and the CIA, you know, what do they study? I mean, they study the arts of deception as Machiavellian as they can possibly be. The art huh. of dishonesty. The arts of withholding. Yeah. Yeah information and they can and they can practice on other countries to refine it and tune it up for us yep now they've turned it on the american people and maybe it's been against the american people for decades frankly but it only got visible around maybe a time of a jfk or a ronald reagan or a donald trump the charismatic leaders who got around the establishments to get elected and then uh interesting to study their administrations with some parallels yeah absolutely well absolutely. Let's be looking into this. And, yeah, the, the, the free speech revelations coming out from, uh, oh, from Elon you know, and Twitter. It, it Remember what I've been saying this about free speech, how they don't want free? This is anathema to the—oh, it's all coming true, Rick. Good yeah, point. We, we can we go all day on the Twitter revelations, too. Yes, we could. Well, so, okay. Rick, Merry Christmas. Happy Merry holidays Christmas. to mm-hmm. you. Best wishes for your next marathon. Let's stay yeah. very close touch. And I will, uh, I'll be talking to you soon. We'll be right back. It's Backbone Radio. Yes, it is, Weezer, bringing us back. 
Hark the herald angels sing. And that's the angels that are named Harold singing. And you got to say, Weezer does it better. You got to admit it. All right. For some reason, Rush Limbaugh is tw- is trending on Twitter, and I just looked, tried to look up why, and there's no apparent reason. But I just want to say, I miss Rush Limbaugh. Man, in this time of chaos and tumult, wouldn't it be great if Rush Limbaugh was still in there with his three hours of radio every weekday? Oh, I would feel so much more assured about this country and it is future, but boy, we lost the best one we've ever had to grace the airwaves. And it has, you have to step back and realize what a loss that has been and how much disarray the conservative movement, the America First movement, has been in since the loss of Rush Limbaugh, who was a real, the, the figure that everybody looked up to. Everybody that was putting America first looked up to that guy. You just, you just, you couldn't doubt that man's credentials and his ability to get to the point on every little thing. Anyway, that just popped into my head here. 303-696-1971. I thought I would just mention a bit about the, the World Cup. And I don't know how many folks out there are soccer fans. They always say that, you know, Americans aren't as into soccer. They find it boring and all that, but... I grew up soccer player since the age of five, got three kids playing soccer, spent a lot of time on the side of a soccer field, and there is a, you know, probably the most, the most famous and the most uh, respected soccer player in the world, Lionel Messi, who plays for uh, some European team or another, but he's an Argentinian, and so when they get to the World Cup, they get to play from their own home nation, so he's got the blue and white stripes for Argentina. And he's the one that seems he seems like he's kind of a good role model and kind of does all the right stuff and says all the right stuff and seems to have a good good sportsmanship like attitude towards everything and anyway he played in his first World Cup 16 years ago at the age of 19 and he had the long hair he had the mullet <laughs> back when I had a mullet which is making a comeback, by the way. I've done segments on the comeback of the mullet. Most unfortunate situation there. Anyway, um, and so, but he'd never won a World Cup, you know, regarded as the best soccer player in the world for quite some time and never has had the World Cup. And I believe under Maradona, the other legendary Argentinian soccer player who passed away a couple of years ago, they never got a World Cup uh, for Maradona. Anyway, so Argentina comes into the World Cup, and what do they do? The first game, they lose to Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia is a middling, at best, team in terms of the best teams of the world. And Argentina comes in and loses, and people are like, oh, no, Argentina is just not good this year. Messi won't get his chance to, to get the cup. But they found a way to rally and hold it all together, and they just went on to win every single game after that first loss to Saudi Arabia. Maybe it was kind of a wake-up call for them. So this morning at 8 a.m., the World Cup starts, and we've got the family down there watching this, and it went on and on and on, and I have to say, it was like the most exciting World Cup final, gotta be, in the history of World Cup finals. I can't, I, I haven't seen them all, obviously, but Man, was that ever one for the record books. And 
the Argentinians had a 2-0 lead. Messi got the first goal. He was involved. Then he got the second goal, yes. And then he was involved in the third goal. (laughs) Holy cow, he had a great game, and he had a few penalty kicks to take. He made them all. And boy, what pressure. Um, Anyway, it ended up 3-3 at the end of the second overtime, so they had to go to the shootout. And do you want to talk about what pressure must feel like? You know what a shootout is in soccer? It's when each player has to take a penalty kick from inside the goal box against the goalkeeper, and the entire world is watching you do this penalty kick. I've been through a bunch of those as a player. I always found them rather stressful, you know, and some of my kids, you know, they get into shootouts and they find, you know, that is tough. That has got to be the most pressure that can be visited upon a professional athlete in any sport when you're taking the penalty kicks, but much less in the final of the World Cup. At any rate, Argentina won the shootout, beat France, and we were all jumping up and down, and it was so great to see Messi. I mean, he's, you know, he's... And the announce... You know the guy that always says, Goal! By the way, we can't seem to find the World Cup in English, so we have to watch him in Spanish. <laughs> Luckily, wife and I speak Spanish. We've got our kids learning Spanish. But that announcer is hilarious, because he will say... Goal! And he will go literally 90 seconds saying goal. And then he'll take one breath and then he'll do it again for another 90 seconds. So I'm kind of preferring the Spanish thing for when you uh, watch the World Cup. But there's Messi carried around by his teammates. He's holding the gold World Cup. And it was, there was this, I just had this feeling that. Everything is right in the world of soccer to see that turn of events. And nothing against France, but I will say, watching the World Cup, they kept showing pictures of Emmanuel Macron, the French globalist, corporatist, World Economic Forum, disciple of the arch-villain Klaus Schwab, up there in his booth watching. Oh, man, that that Macron. Uh, There there are a few leaders I despise as much as I despise Macron. And total weenie, total weenie loser, Macron. Anyway, so he's up there cheering for France, and it just made me even more want Argentina to win. And probably because I spent some time in Argentina. I might mention that in a second, because it's at least somewhat culturally relevant. But apparently, and I watched this video after the game, Macron, the Euro weenie, goes down onto the field, and he's trying to get um, next to France's best player, a guy named Mbappe. Mbappe, who I believe uh, his dad is from Cameroon and his mother is from Algeria. So I don't know if his name is Cameroonish or Algerian, but born in Paris. So there is uh, Macron trying to get next to Mbappe, and Mbappe wants nothing to do with Macron. <laughs> He's completely snubbing Macron, or what they say, blanking Macron. So Mac- Macron's trying to, like, hug him and hold his hand and, you know, like, give him, like, a, you know, good good job, Mbappe, you're amazing player. You Sorry we lost, but... And Mbappe would not make eye contact with Macron and was constantly looking away and kind of trying to move away from Macron. And I was like, hey... I like Mbappe now. That that guy's got good taste in 
which leaders to dislike. And see, no, no regard for Macron. And so that went on for a while. It's a pretty interesting video. And you know how Macron does that? He kind of pushes into people's space, and he kind of wants to get uh, bask in some of the some of the limelight and get his face out there on the you know the TV screens. And he has this knack for being so annoying about it that people end up snubbing him, and he looks he looks deeply pathetic. So I I have to salute Mbappe. <laughs> I have to salute Mbappe for that for that little maneuver. But um, anyway, the whole world is watching when you take those penalty kicks. And what what is the way to handle that pressure? I mean, you, you read these books about choking under pressure and how do you perform under pressure? And there's got to be some way psychologically you just not think about it. Don't think about it. Just just focus right now on the present moment, the here and now, one kick at a time, one moment at a time. Don't send your mind off into the ether or thinking about the people watching or other people out there anywhere. Just focus on you and that moment and that ball and that shot that you have to make. And those professionals, they're, they're pretty used to it at that point in time uh, by, you know, years and years of doing that kind of thing. But should Lionel Messi be considered the greatest of all time, the GOAT in soccer? He's got the World Cup. Ronaldo... Never won a World Cup. Maradona never got a World Cup. So I think you're going to see Messi be considered uh, in that pantheon of the greatest of all time. And I believe he's 35 years old, so he probably will not be a part of another World Cup. And back when he was 19, starting out in his first World Cup, he did look a little faster. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the mullet made him faster, something about the hair thing. At any rate, observation to about Argentina when we come back, and maybe I'll get back to some of the political content. But your thoughts invited, 303-696-1971. There we go. Santa can't stay. The Dwight Yoakam redneck Christmas song, which I am all in favor of. It's a really funny story if you listen to the lyrics on that one. And here we are, just reflecting on the World Cup. And I don't know, uh, yeah, soccer is catching on in America, but it's somehow it's not the religion of this country, uh, which happens to be the NFL, which, the woke NFL, which, yeah, no thanks to, to that from me. No thanks to the woke NFL or other woke professional sports. Oh, just, you know, irritating how they do that. And I might we might get this audio up of the of the guy Andres Cantor calling Argentina's win. Do you have it sitting there? And this is this is the guy that says goal. We're gonna just try to see if we can play it uh, from computer to computer here. Why not tap it? This is the goal. This is the win. Vo- volume. This is Andre Cantor calling the winning goal of the World Cup, and he's Argentinian American. He's crying. He's an Argentine. But he works in the USA. <laughs> we had to bring that in. Again, Andre Cantor, he's been waiting for 36 years to see Argentina win the World Cup. Oh, I almost, it almost makes me tear up just hearing that, the, the sheer excitement of, of this fellow. 36 years, Argentina finally gets it done. Kudos to Messi. And that leads me, I spent a little time... In Argentina, on a dental medical mission, we um, 
went to some of the more impoverished neighborhoods um, between northern Buenos Aires and all the way up north uh, towards near the Brazil border. With a, We had a gang of about um, a team of about 22 total. And about, uh, let's see, we had uh, two periodontists, an oral surgeon, an endodontist, and two general practice dentists, of which I was, I'm a GP. And we got to know the community really well in our, in our weeks um, traveling around and by bus. And we would enter these um, barrios, they would call them, where people live in these uh, shacks with corrugated tin roofs and dirt floors. And you would notice there'd be just thousands, some of these barrios, thousands of these corrugated shacks, very primitive living, just total poverty, very, very, you know, it's a tough way to live and grow up. But they would have one satellite dish at the center of, uh, say, a few hundred of these shacks. And what was the satellite dish for? You'd see sticking up above some of the other roofs. Well, that's where people could go watch their soccer. So a soccer game comes on, and then the whole barrio comes together to at least some place that has a TV with a satellite dish, and they would just pack in there and watch their soccer. I'd be invited to join them on some of those soccer ones. You know, the little kids, every all ages, from, from zero to 100, they love their soccer, and they love their Maradona, who was the great Argentine star, and they love their Messi, and they've got the World Cup today. And just one... one vignette here um i uh was you know doing we'd show up and set up our clinics and we would work on hundreds of people every day and just do our best to try to you know help help people health wise and and uh spanish speakers so i I was i was doing all the interpreting and the translating and helping everybody and anyway um this one day uh this this group wanted to invite me myself and another of the dentists we were the younger of the of the crew said hey come come watch a soccer game with us tonight this is another and we're like, okay that's great and they said we'll we'll come to where, where you guys are are staying we'll, we'll pick you up we'll, we'll go down and we'll watch the soccer and we're like okay let's let's just go let's just you know you're traveling you're, let, let's go watch soccer so after the long day this uh group comes to this these, these two guys uh probably early 20s and they were so proud that they have a car they had a car and uh, I guess this is probably maybe 150 miles north of Buenos Aires. I don't remember which town this was in. Anyway, so they, they pull up in this car, and um, we just hop in, and like, hey, let's go watch a soccer game. And I get into the back seat of the car. We're kind of packed in there, and I realize that the car doesn't have a floor. There is no floor in the car, I'll, and I can see the, the drive shaft turning. And so I'm, hmm. So I have to, like, keep my feet. Like I didn't want to let my feet touch because I just I don't know break your legs or whatever you touch the touch the road, you're just watching the road go right below you, and of course, we went through some water puddles, <laughs> and so we went through these water puddles and inside the car we just got completely hosed with water just flapping up all over us and so anyway I went through a bunch of these puddles and you know the Argentine that's 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 how they drive that's how they roll they didn't even think anything of it. And so we show up, and I'm completely drenched, showing up at this. Uh, so where did we go? We went to this gas station. There was a gas station outside this barrio where we were working that had a satellite dish and had uh, this little grainy television set in the corner of the room. 
And I mean, there was at least 150 people packed into this gas station, standing outside, kind of crowding in to try to watch a soccer game. And I believe it was a, a River Plate game, which is the big pro team. There's two big pro teams in Argent in Buenos Aires. And so we and it was hot. I'm glad I got drenched before going because it was it had to have been 110 degrees in that room. You got so many people packed in a room in a hot Argentine summer. Whew. And um, watching soccer. And their eyes, they were so intent on that screen and the screams and the yells and the shouts when a goal gets scored and the patience in between the goals and watching the artistry of soccer. And that uh, sort of, to me, captures some of the national spirit of Argentina, athletically speaking. And, you know, that's not unusual. So many of the countries represented in the World Cup with the, with the great teams, like, you know, Morocco, Brazil, go down the list, wonderful players, they... They themselves, you know, have similar, similar upbringings and uh, similar challenges socioeconomically moving forward. But by gosh, I will never forget that night. And it really struck me about the spirit of soccer in Argentina. And, I, you know, do we even have that for any of our sports here? The United States of America, do we have that? And it, wouldn't you say that if we have had that for any of even think football, think baseball, Hasn't it kind of been polluted by the, by the wokeness? Yeah, by the woke billionaires trying to inject their wokeness into our sports and insult the spectators, insult the fans constantly the way they like to do. Not to get political with that. I just, heartwarming story, I think. And it's just, it's just someone who spent a little time down in Argentina and has gotten to know their soccer culture. I just wanted to give a salute and Andre Cantor, boy, to see that guy just crying and calling out that last goal. Oh, my gosh, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, back to the phones and the action where we come back. 303-696-1971. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 